0: Welcome to another inspirational podcast from Abundant Life Church, where we believe that God is a good God. He loves you, and he wants to bless you. Now join us as we dive into today's message. Wow. I'm just curious, how many in this church have never heard me preach? Can I see your hands? Wow. I'm so sorry you've been neglected so long. Well, to let you know who I am, I'm uh, Pastor Sean's father. And I say that for many of you watching by way of live streaming, too, because somebody wonder, who is this guy? And my wife and I, Pastor Kathy and I, have had the privilege to travel, and we're doing a lot of things, and uh, and, and so, you know, I know some people wonder, who is this guy that sits on the front row, you know, on Sunday mornings? But uh, I'm excited to be with you today. You know, we're, we're looking towards what's going to take place on the 8th. We'll talk about that a little bit later this morning, but in pastor's appreciation, it's, a, it's an incredible season and a time, and, and I'm looking forward to that. Uh, I, I just know this, that as we, as we move into the next level that God has for us, you've got to be willing to make that transition, and uh, we're going to be talking about some things today uh, out of the uh, book of Genesis in chapter 26, if you want to go ahead and turn there. And, and we, want to, we want to begin to share some thoughts with you that over the last several weeks or so, we've been talking about the 30, 60 and the 100 fold return and what all's involved in that and, and what, what is going to take, be necessary for that. But today I wanna to talk to you about the promise and the blessing, about the promise and the blessing. And we, we wanna to begin to just kinda of examine some things and uh, because I, I believe that what God spoke to us this year is the word of the Lord that the first the first quarter, if you will, was a place of positioning, and it very much so it was. And then there was transitioning for the second quarter, we understand that. Then there was identification, or I call it branding, in the third quarter. But as we get ready to move into the fourth quarter, he talks about supernatural abundance. Now when you say that, people get all excited, you know, but... Sometimes we, we need to understand that when we talk about supernatural abundance, it's based upon the seeds that we've sown. And the seeds that you've sown is not just in what you put in the offering. Oh, come on, let me walk over to this side. This side's looking at me, you've got to wake them up a little bit. But uh, the seeds that we sow are of our time, our talent, our energy, as well as our finances. And one of the things the Lord's really been dealing with me about is is about that as we've gone through this past period and going into the latter period here is that we have got to really become focused for the harvest that God has for us. Now what's unique about a harvest, for those of you that are taking any kind of notes whatsoever, uh, what's unique about a harvest is a harvest doesn't take place just anywhere. I'm gonna kind of mess with your minds a little bit, but the harvest takes place in the field you sowed it in. <laughs> so, what field are you sowing it in? And I'm not talking about just a geographical location. I'm talking about even a spiritual geographical location—not just the physical side, but it's in every area. What area? What area are you looking for a harvest in? Because it's the seed that you sowed in that area. It means that you have a right. You see, when you sow seed, seed gives you the authority to possess the harvest. The sower, God gives seed to the sower. So when the sower sows the seed that's in their hand, it puts them in the position for the harvest. The harvest is for no one else but for the one who sowed the seed. Now, what happens is the enemy comes and steals and kills and destroys. We know that. We know that, that you know that, that we know that because of persecution, we walk away from it. We know because of the anxiety and the worries of the world, we walk away from it. But it is at 30, 60, and 100-fold return. But the people that possess that are people that have sown seed in a specific area for a specific purpose. So you have to ask yourself the question... When I sow seed, what am I looking for? I always love when people say, I don't give to get. You're a liar. Next time you say that, when you get to work next week on Friday, when they give you your paycheck, say, I didn't work this week for money. I just, I just wanted to bless you guys. <laughs> Come on. Why did you receive Jesus? you wanted to be, oh, you wanted some, excuse me, I'm sorry, I I messed up here over here with this group. (laughs) You see, the reality is life is based upon the seeds we sow, that we struggle with that. Life is based upon every seed I sow. What I say, my words become a seed. The sower sows the word, my words are a seed. When I go to school to gather knowledge When I have knowledge, knowledge, how I use it, knowledge becomes, it's important we see that. We send our kids to be educated at school because we want them to put in there the ability to read, write, and do arithmetic. So when they get out, they can use those seeds to implement them into whatever vocation they want to go into. Come on, stay with me, folks. So when we talk about seed time and harvest, it's easy to relegate it to dollars and cents. But it really isn't because dollars and cents is only one minor part of that. And I want us to get that in our spirit. But our sowing and reaping, they are in every area of our life. I don't care whether it's in my marriage and the way I treat my wife, whether it's as a a father, the way I treat my children, or as a grandfather, the way I treat my grandchildren, or whether it's my my position at work and whether I'm willing to work, go, go to work. And and do the job that they hired me to do at the 100% ability that God called me. See, everybody wants a hundredfold return, they just don't want to work a hundredfold. We don't want to work at full capacity, we just like a full capacity return. But we know this, and and, and I'm I'm kind of for those that are new here, I'm, I'm saying this for you, for those that have been here for a while, I'm renewing on some thoughts of the past that we've taught on, but I want us to lay this foundation as we move into this today. You have to be careful of the seeds that you sow and the seeds that you allowed to be sown in you because the moment somebody you allow somebody into your life and they begin to sow seeds into your life, you give them a right to draw harvest out of you. Wow. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That's why sometimes you just have to walk away. Amen. That doesn't mean there's something wrong with that person. It just means that that person is wanting a harvest that I'm not willing to give. Oh, come on, folks. And so seed time and harvest is a lifestyle. We know that God created the heavens and the earth, and just, you know, we'll re- refresh, but heaven's and earth. How did he do that? It said God spoke. Genesis chapter 1, 10 times it said in God's word, God said, in God's word, God said. 10 times is by how many times God spoke in, his, in, 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 the, in the restoring the earth to what it was, it was originally created for. And then he says that the sower sows the word in Mark chapter 4. And so the word that God has, it is seed. We see another identification with that when it says God so loved the world. He gave his only begotten son who happens to be the incorruptible seed of the word of God. So if God created with the word, as long as earth remains, there will be seed time and harvest. God sustains with the word. And by that, with seed. And then God gave us salvation by giving His Son Jesus, which is a seed. What makes us think that we can walk away from seed time and harvest in anything we do? You know, the big thing to have, and anybody who goes to counseling or understands that, you, you know this, that if the father is an alcoholic, there's a good chance the boys or the girls in the family could become, or could become abused. Statistically, that is the proof. Why? Because if the first, He said holy, but if the first is rotten. (laughs) Isn't it funny? Over over at the school, we'd have parents come sometimes because some of the kids would kind of use some rough language. And I I get the biggest kick out of it because I like sitting in those meetings, especially when I got mom and dad there because usually the mother is looking at the father like, you taught him. And the father eventually breaks down and says, it's my fault. They hear me say it all the Yeah, you sowed the seed. Right. See, it's important that we understand seed time and harvest on a larger perspective. So that when we get into our lesson today and we talk about it, because if it's true in one area, it has to be true in every area. It can't be a truth just in one, one place. It's got to be a truth everywhere. Okay? So when we as Christians, see, the world system struggles with Christianity, and, and, and believe it or not, the reason they struggle with it is Christianity is absolute, and the world doesn't believe in absolutes, because the moment they get in absolutes, that means they've got, they've got, they've got a Uh, if you will, a a structure they got to follow. And the world doesn't want to follow structure, so there can't be absolutes. And it's always different for anybody and everybody. I was hearing someone the other day and a Christian fellow that that we've known I've known for years and and, and they were interviewing him. He was making a statement well, you know, they asked the question well, where do you see the LBG community in the in the church today? He says, I think we can work out to something we can work with. And I thought to me, you just went away from your absolute my Bible says I can't win. Consequently, we've, we now have perverted the mindset or the concept of the Word of God, which is absolute. And you've got to believe that the Word of God is absolute. You've got to believe that the Word of God is inspired by God. You've got to believe that the Word of God, that it is there for us to be able to guide our lives by it. It's it's important that we we understand that. And so the Word of God teaches us very clearly that if we're going to live a life, our life is predicated upon how I live my life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now see, we don't want that responsibility. It's not my fault. I came from a bad home. I lived in a bad neighborhood. My skin color's not right. I never had the privilege you had. I'm I, I'm a female, not a male. Well, I didn't get a single amen out of any of you people. <laughs> okay, it don't change the truth, but that's the truth. I said that's the truth. We're, we're not we're not saying that there's not if you will, prejudices in the world, whether it be with color or whether it be with male or female or or whatever it may be, or whether it be from what country or nation you're from or what neighborhood you're from. We're not saying that that's not true, but what we're saying is when we become a Christian, a child of God, we've moved out of the world system. He's taken us out of the kingdom of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. Consequently, we don't live by the rules of this over here, which we know there's a lot of problems there, but we live according to the absolutes of the word of God. So now, no matter what they're doing, we don't have to bow to it. And that's real important because the church is so compromised. And we've allowed the system to get into our spirits to where when we're talking about the subject that I'm talking about today, about, about the sowing of a seed, sowing and reaping, that we, we automatically have so allowed the world system and allowed people to come into us that now we, we are almost negative on the fact that God does everything with sowing and reaping. And I'm supposed to imitate God. It's funny, isn't it? Yeah. If I'm going to imitate God, that means it's going to require something from me. Number one, I'm going to have to lay my life down in order for Christ to be able to live. It's not my life, but it's his that lives in me. It's not I that live, but Christ lives in me. I got to be willing to take up my cross and follow him. And, and we, we so miss up that Scripture. We act like taking up the cross of Jesus is, 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 is walking through this life, getting beat up and stepped on and treated bad. And I've got my cross though. That's not a cross, that's stupidity. That's tap. But anyway. But in Galatians 3.29 he says that that if we're in Christ, we are we we are heirs to the promise. If any man be in Christ, he's heirs according to the promise that was given to Abraham. That 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 the 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 promise that was given, it's important we we, we see this that this is not something that was old or New Testament in that sense, but the two have now been blended together. If you are in Christ, if I'm in the New Testament, if I'm in the New Covenant, then I'm an heir to the promise that was given to Abraham before the covenant or even before the, the law was ever written. I'm an heir. He says in Genesis chapter 12, and we, and we read that, and, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time with it, but he talked about that God has said to Abram, he says, number one, he says, number one, you, if you'll leave the land where you're in, I'm going to take you to a place you've never been. And he says, I'm going to bless you. And you're going to be a blessing. And out of you, the nations of the earth are going to be ministered to or touched or blessed. But he says, mark it down. Those that bless you, I'll bless, and those that curse you, I'll curse. Now, what's important, unless some of you have already forgotten what I said earlier, that you cannot reap a harvest any place you want to reap it. It's got to be, you've got to reap a harvest in the field you sowed in. And that's spiritually, mentally, physically, financially materially, whatever you want to do with it. Wherever you're sowing your seed, you now have laid claim to a harvest. If they receive the seed, I had someone that, that came to me. We were, we were up in, uh, in uh, New York and somebody came up to me and they, they came up to me and they, and they you know, they, always, they do this. You want to slip up and they want to slip you some money. And they say, it happens to me a lot anyway. But anyway, they want to slip me some money because they hear what I teach. And, and, and I looked at the person. I said, whoa, hold it right there. And they said, well, I said, I can't take that. I said, number one, I don't know who you are. Number two, you've got a pastor here who's a covering who brought me in to speak, who's given me a generous honorarium, and it would be wrong for me to take something from you when he doesn't know about it. Let's get the pastor over here. And I brought the pastor over, and I said, you know this person? Yes, could you tell me a little bit about them? Well, why do you want to know about them? Because they want to give me a seed. And number one, I want to know if you're okay with that. And if you're okay with it, before I receive it, I want to know what person is drawing from my harvest. Yes. See, people put demands on you, and sometimes you don't even realize it, and you get uncomfortable with it because then you're going, wait a minute. They did that for that. Well, what did you think they did it for? Because you were nice? Look at the person next to you and say, you're not always nice. Sometimes you have a bad day. Anyway, so the Lord said... In the promise, he said, I'm going to bless you, I'm a, I'm a, I'm, your, your children are going to touch the nations, but I'm going to bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. So now we're here in Genesis 26 and 12. Now, as we turn to this passage, I want to say again, I want to bring us up to date on something, is that number one, when Abraham had that promise from God, the first thing he did, if you read reading the book of Genesis chapter 12, he went out and he built an altar. Then he went to a foreign land and we won't go through all the story about his wife and all of that and and, and God began to give him favor and made him very, very rich. But it says that when he finally left that foreign land knowing this is not where I'm supposed to sow, this is not where I'm supposed to go, this is not where I'm supposed to be. I went there because there was a famine in the land. I went there because the the land that I was in Let me go back. Genesis chapter 12, God says to Abram, get out of a country that you're in and I'm gonna take you to a place you need to go. And so he got to the place God wanted him to go, but when he got there, there was a famine in the land. But God had given him a promise. Which we have a promise which means that because we have a promise doesn't mean that wherever we are, it means that it's gonna always be okay. There's struggles in life. There's difficulties in life. We go through things in life. And I'm gonna get into that. Last Wednesday night, great message by Minister Reese. I mean, it was absolutely awesome. Go on YouTube, listen to it. And I'm telling you right now, it'll help you go through some of these things. But when we talk about a famine, it's it's just just amazing to me when we talk about the famine, because a famine causes you to lose sight of who and what you are. A famine can create an identity crisis. You can forget that I'm a child of God. You can forget that I'm blessed of God. You can forget if God be for me, who can be against me. You forget that I can do all things through Christ's strength in me. You forget that whatever man soweth, that shall he also reap. God is not mocked. You, you, you forget that God will make the crooked paths become straight. You forget that God will bless you when you're coming in and you're going out. You forget that you're sitting with Jesus in heaven. There's a famine in the land. I, I've forgotten who I am. Number two, famine will destroy your vision. Famine will destroy your vision. You get so caught up with the famine, with the problem, that you don't know or remember where you're headed or what what God has said to you. I can't tell you how many people come to me with a so-called vision and six months later, they're doing something else. And I'm going, what happened to the vision? Well, things come up. It didn't work out the way I thought it was gonna work out. So what did you do? Instead of adjusting yourself for the vision to come to pass, you begin to leave because the vision didn't adjust. See, vision does not adjust itself to you. You have to adjust yourself to the vision. Number three, when there's a the land, it takes away from your purpose. Why is that so important? Because when I'm taken away from my purpose, I no longer feel valuable. Purpose creates value. When I'm taken away from my purpose, I don't feel valuable. And when I don't feel valuable, you, ever, you know what I'm talking about? Nobody loves me. Nobody cares. Nobody wants to listen to me. Woe is me. Let's sit out there with Job. You know, let, 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 let's just have a, a, a complaining fast together. You know what I'm saying? But, but, because when you lose your purpose, you need to understand something. Whether you go through the heat or through the cold, God has not changed. It's important we understand that. Whether we're fighting an enemy or we're enjoying the moment, God has. See, God doesn't change when you're happy or sad. He's just God. He wants you to be happy, but He's not going to change who He is or what He said because you're upset at something. Number four, famine will alter your destiny. It will alter your destiny. Now, why is that? Because famine means this there's a breach in nature. Famine is a breach in nature, things are not operating according to plan. There's no water because the land needs water to produce. We know that because it says over the book of Isaiah that God said, so is my word as if the rain would come down and make the earth bring forth bud and bring forth seed uh, for the eater or bread for the eater. It makes that when the rain comes down, it makes the earth do what it was created to do. But when there's a breach in nature and there's no rain, then the earth can't produce the way it was designed to produce. A famine in the land. A breach in nature. Everything's not going my way. Nothing is working out right. Everything is not falling into place and I know how it's supposed to fall into place. I, I know the Bible says to lay hands on the sick but nobody's getting healed. I know God said that, that he would bless me by coming in and going out but I haven't seen anything yet. And we go through all of these, these things and instead of and, and, and said, wait Wait a minute. Who is my God? You see, it's important to understand that when Abraham came out from the promise, and they left the land because there was a famine in the land, and then he because he built an altar after he had the promise. It said when he came back from the place he did not belong, he came back to the first altar that he built. Sometimes you got to get back to the altar, folks. You know, since Covid, a lot of people's never come back to the altar. There's a lot of people still sitting at home because Covid scared them so much so and they got out of the they, they got so happy sitting at home in their underwear and eating chips watching church that they don't have to come to church anymore. It's true. They need to come back to the altar. What is the altar? It is the place of memorial that you present your offerings. Oh, three people, wonderful. I'm gonna come up to you in the balcony now. We are moving up to you. This group down here is gonna... (laughs) It's a place that you come to, that you set aside to say this is where my God is and where I had an encounter with God. This is where I had this take place. And this is a place that we have built and now we have memorialized and we put our offerings on this so God knows that we understand what he's done for us and he's not changed. Malachi, I'm the Lord God, I change not. Then he goes into the tithe and offering. So as we look at this, we're seeing something here. The Bible says that when when Abraham got old and was ready to turn everything over, it said he gave all that he had to Isaac. So in a moment, Isaac was independent. In a moment, because Abraham, not only was he rich, the Bible said he was very rich. And it it said that he took care of all the concubine kids and all that stuff, but then for Isaac, he gave him the riches. He gave him the wealth. So now Isaac, oh God, Isaac is in a land and God comes to him and he says, listen, there's a famine in the land. It says, in, it says over there in Genesis in, in the first verse of uh, chapter 26, there's a famine in the land that God talks to Isaac. He says, but don't be foolish like your father. Don't leave the land that i blessed. See, what we need to understand is no matter what the famine has done to the land, that when we step on it, it's blessed. I'm not living by everybody else's standard. I'm living by what God has spoken and what God has said to me. And so Isaac, he stayed in that land because he had a word from the Lord and we'll talk about that in a moment, but he had a word from the Lord and in that word from the Lord, God told him, he says, "Do do not leave. Dwell in the land, I will dwell with you and bless you. For to you and your descendants, he says, I'm gonna give this land to you and I will perform the oath that I swore to Abraham, your father. In other words, he said, it might look like a famine, The people in it might be living like they're in a famine, but this is a land I'm giving you and I don't give anything that's based upon perverted of structure. I give you what I bless and what I bless will produce regardless of what circumstances say. It's difficult for us. Because we don't understand the concept of sowing and reaping. We don't understand the concept that God does not change. We don't understand the concept that that, that God is who he said that he was. And he's not going to renege on his word that God is an absolute God. So here we find ourselves in the 26th chapter in verse 12. And it says, then Isaac sowed in the land and he reaped in the land that year a hundredfold. And the Lord blessed him. Now, let's just hold that just for a quick moment. It says that the, he sowed in that land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold. Now, I think it's important because I, I, I've done a lot of, of, of teaching out of this mindset. and that, you know, God, he said, listen, he didn't sow in just any land. He sowed in the land that God said, you go there and I'll be with you. And because I'm with you, wherever you are is blessed. Not just any place, but what I showed you. It's a lesson right there. We could just stand at one thing all day long. But he reaped a hundredfold. How about he say a fold? Now now we know that we're talking about 100 fold. It's it's a numerical number, it's a unit, it's a measure. It it, it goes beyond that because when you look at it in, in the verb form. It deals with a denomination. It deals with something else, though. It also deals that God said, I gave you a hundredfold, I gave you an opening, I gave you a door, I gave you the ability to be a gatekeeper. Go back and look up that Hebrew word in the noun and in the masculine, and then look it up in the verb, and you're gonna find out something here. That not only did he say that I returned to you full capacity of that seed, but when it came in, you became a gatekeeper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. See, you gotta understand, when your harvest comes in, you become a gatekeeper. You're not just anybody. Oh, I got blessed. No, 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 no. You got responsibility, baby. The moment you sow your seed in in a land and you know that you have a right to the harvest and the harvest comes in, you now have responsibility. Everybody say responsibility. See, it's real important we understand it. We get blessed and we forget our responsibility. Hmm. Hundredfold doesn't just mean you got a numerical number of a hundred times one. It doesn't mean it is just full capacity. It means that when that harvest came in at full capacity, it says now you've become a gatekeeper. and because you're a gatekeeper, you have a responsibility. I said you have a responsibility. It goes on to say this, that it it gives you the ability to calculate, reckon, to estimate. In other words, it goes to the mindset that when you, when you get receive the harvest in the t- place that God told you to sow and God gives you full capacity and it comes back in, in, in full capacity, you now have become a gatekeeper that what you decide in your heart to do with it is what is decided. It's a decision. In fact, one translation puts next to that verse Proverbs 23 7 For as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Once the harvest comes in, what is my responsibility? What do I think about this thing? What am I gonna do with this thing? What am I gonna do with this hundredfold return? What am I gonna do? See, God is not just gonna blow it out there and you not accept. Oh, that messes up the grace message. I'm so sorry. Grace, you just sloppy-goppy. We just go through everything, don't do anything, but that's not real grace. That's the perversion of the word of God for grace, but grace is empowerment of God's presence upon a believer, the influence of God's spirit upon a believer to be what he created them to be and do what he called them to do. Now, why would he do that? Because remember what I told you, famine gets you away from your purpose. The moment he got a hundredfold return, he was returned to his purpose. The moment he got his harvest, he was returned to his purpose. See, a lot of times we, we don't understand that, when God blesses you, it's not about you walking around, ooh, I'm blessed of the Lord, but it's about I'm returned to my purpose, let me get moving. Whew. Now watch this now, it's so important. Then he says to him, In that same year, a hundredfold, the Lord blessed him in the man, let's go to verse uh, 13, and the man began to, what? He continued, what? Until he became very? Hmm. The man began to prosper, he continued prospering until he became very prosperous. Do you understand now you, you see the responsibility that when the harvest comes in that you are supposed to use harvest to continue being blessed? Glory to God. I'm so tired of sowing. Everybody's talking about sowing seed. Everybody's taking up offerings all the time. Everybody's saying we need to pray at least an hour a day. Everybody's saying we should be in all the services. Everybody's... When did God stop? You, you think God is just sitting on his throne saying, I'll wait till they have a problem. And then when they call out to me, I'll, I'll, I'll get with them on this. God is the same. God, God, God is, is not bound by time or space. God is omnipotent. He's omniscient. What did the psalmist say? If I made my bed in hell, he would be with me. No matter where I am, God God is there. God has not, oh, come on, tell somebody, God has not changed. So when we talk about sowing seed, in a particular place where God has designed for us to be in. hmm. Had someone come to me years back and they said, because uh, this, is, this is a church, they got saved and got filled with the spirit. They were a business person they began to really develop and do very well. And so they came to my dad and they said, listen, you know, we, we, we bless our church, and this is where we learn we to believe God here, and we learn to do all that. And God's really bless our business. So we just want you to know we started a charitable organization that we're giving money elsewhere. Now, you say, does that bother you? Or you no, I don't care. Give money where you're going to get. It's none of my business. I could care less. But then it wasn't but a year or two later, and they, began to, they came back, and they said, we don't understand We're struggling with our business. We're struggling with our family. We're struggling in our health. I said, because you're not sowing in the land God called you to sow in. Oh, I'm messing somebody up right now. The church is not a place to tell you what to do with your money. But I'm gonna tell you right now what I do when my wife and a god speaks to us about sowing a seed somewhere else, I run it through the church. Oh, God, I just messed some of you up. Why do I do that? Because this is the land that God called me, and it's the place I built my altar. This is where I give my offerings. And so I allow the church to, I share with them my, my thought and stuff. Sometimes I find out that where I wanted to sow is not a good place to sow. Other times I find out this is a great place to sow. But you you need to understand, it comes under a structure of authority. Oh, man. So I can keep being blessed. And when I sow seed outside of the altar that I have built for God, I know I'm messing. I know it goes against the grain with everybody. Well, bless God, I know people who's done this. I know people who say, okay, just follow their lives. Just follow their lines. Say, well, the church wants your money. I, I, anybody who's ever come to me and said, I've got $35,000 or $50,000 or $100,000 or $2 that I want to give to that ministry, do you mind if we do that? Absolutely, no problem. Wherever you want to give it. I've never took a dime. The church doesn't take a dime. It doesn't take administrative out of it. Every dime we take and give it exactly. to And I go, He prospered. Why? Because he took responsibility. He was a gatekeeper. I'm blessed of the Lord. Then what gate is open to you for you to operate in, in, in responsibility with? I'm blessed of my coming in and going out. That's great. Now what is your responsibility for coming in and going out? What door did God open with you with that harvest? It said he prospered. Watch this now. He continued prospering till he became very prosperous. Everybody say three levels. Isn't that funny? Oh, let me help you with that. Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. And the Lord blessed them. Oh, there's that word again. And he told men, he says, be fruitful, multiply, and replenish. Oh, three things. Hello. World's destroyed by water. Noah gives an offering. God speaks to the sons of Noah and Noah. And he says to him, be fruitful, multiply, and replenish. Prosper, continue prospering, became very prosperous. Oh, 30, 60, and 100-fold return. Oh, well, I thought that's what we're teaching on, 30, 60, 100-fold return. Prosper, continue prospering, until you become very prosperous. Don't stop what you've been doing because God's given you the authority now that you can take responsibility. You are the gatekeeper. Keep opening that door for God to bless you. Wow. Watch this now. When we begin to look at this, Isaac sowed into the ground in the time of famine. He said, there may be lack, there may be need, there may be a breach in nature, but with this seed, I release you from the curse. Well, where in the world did that come from? Genesis chapter eight. Noah gave an offering to God. Smell came up. God was so excited. And he says, I know men's going to always deal with being evil. Go back and read it. But because of this offering, I will no longer curse the earth again. You want to get rid of the curse of the earth? Start sowing seed in the earth that you live in. Time, talent, energy, and finance. Sow your seed. It reverses the curse every time. You're gonna reverse the curse in the world in which you live in. Give your time, give your talent, give your energy, give your finance. Sow your seed in the land where God calls you with the people God has surrounded you with. Put your time in, put your effort in, put your gift in, put it in. But give your finances because there you reverse the curse. When nobody likes me, I'm gonna reverse the curse. I'm gonna start sowing seed in loving people. I'm gonna like people whether they like me or not. I'm reversing the curse. Nobody cares about me. I'm going to care about people and I'm going to reverse the curse. I'm going to sow the seed of caring and I'm going to turn that thing around. I'm taking responsibility. I'm a gatekeeper. I've got, I've got a harvest here I've got to maintain. But not only am I supposed, watch this now. Not only did he maintain the hundredfold harvest, he turned it around and he began to explode the harvest. That he prospered, Continued, became very prosperous with out of that harvest. So that harvest, we make a big deal about the hundredfold, but the harvest was just the beginning for what God had for him. I mean, that is so awesome to me. When When I understand that, what a powerful thing that goes on. Now, the unique thing about this is once he entered into this, he knew that without the seed, he could not be released from the curse. And he also knows that, that, that in, in in this moment that he's sowing the seed, it says in God's prospering, it says that a Philistine stepped up in the uh, 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 and they stopped up all the wells that his father and servants had dug in the day of Abraham, his father. And they, they it says they filled them with earth. Now they did that because they began to get jealous of him. Now watch this now. Now here's a guy that's got a hundredfold return. And now he has not, his dad's blessing, he now has his own blessing. and He takes what God has given him in the hundredfold return and he opens up the gate, he opens up the, the, the door so now he's prospering to he becomes prosperous, becomes very prosperous. And now the enemy is, so, people will be so, people who've lived in your life for all your life will get so upset at you because now all of a sudden, how are they doing this? How are they going to this next level? How are they moving into that dimension? Why is God blessing? Because they've learned the secret. They know the blessing is about position. So he says you know what there's a famine I love this oh God there's a famine there's no rain people are struggling many of them are not able to work because as farmers they can't work so unemployment's down or up unemployment's up So Isaac says, you know what? I know that I'm blessed and I'm in the land God told me to come to that he was blessing. And I know that because i prove proved that, I'm a gatekeeper and i prove proved that. I'm going to take and I'm going to go to the promise that God gave the, my father-in-law, or maybe my father, that now has now come upon me. And since the wells that he dug have been filled up, I'm just going to unplug them. Now, in a natural sense, that doesn't make any sense. Who digs a well when there's no water? I mean, if that were the case, everybody would have been digging wells if they could have gotten water. You know what I mean? We laugh at Noah. He built an ark, and everybody laid in front of the boat. I think probably Isaac probably had a lot of people laughing at him about taking. Hey, we're in famine. You like, go ahead. You notice the Philistines who had stopped it up when it had water in it, where the father was there. That now that there is no water, they didn't even bother to stop him from unplugging it because they're stupid, like the world when we begin to understand who we are, it'll be too late by the time they want to stop us. Watch it now. He dug the well. Guess what happened when he dug the well? Where did the water come from? Was it raining? The scientists have come out in the last few years and they've proven at the very center core of our earth. Rocks rub together and they generate water. That's scientific. Not, not some spiritual political thing. Scientific. But there was a famine in the land. But when he uncovered the well, because he was in position, he had the blessing and was in position, the water in the middle of the earth said, We don't have a choice. Where's he at? What land's he in? Because God said he's going to bless whatever he does. See, you need to understand when you're operating in this dimension, it follows you. You don't follow it. It'll come find you, it'll knock on your door. It'll come at the most unusual time. You won't even be, my God, where'd that come from? Because it's not about how it got there, it's just that it's required by God to meet you there. Yeah. See, where I'm where God wants me to be, it's required by God for it to meet me there. I don't have to meet it. We're always looking for, no, 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 no. You come looking for me. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. And so the enemy says, wait a minute, this is our land. Mm. <laughs> so what does Isaac say? Not a problem. He says he went and he pitched his tent. You can read the scripture. I'm not gonna read, you can look it up later. That's for time to rain. It says he pitched his tent and he dug another well. Amen. Everybody say, pitch your tent. And then he dug a well. And when he pulled and when he cleaned out another well, guess what? The water came to that well. Now it doesn't say this here, but by, well, in my mind, it always works this way. Because if the water is following Isaac, what did they do to that first well? If the water followed him, they means they ended up with a dry well again. That's <laughs> what so the world always ends up with a dry well. No matter what the world does, at the end of the day, ends up with a dry well. Come on, folks. And so the water came. So then they came and they quarreled with him again. So he, like he said, he pitched his tent, he dug another well. And then the Lord came and spoke to him. Now watch this now. The Lord came and spoke to him and, said, and reminded him of the blessing, reminding him of all of these things. And I could only presume that the reason the Lord had to do that is he was getting frustrated with the, with having the water following him, and where he goes, the enemy keeps wanting what, he's, what he has. So the Lord came and spoke to him. But there was something he did very, very unique here, and I want you all to see this. I'm going to ask the musicians to come. I, I want you all to see this. It said in verse 24, and the Lord appeared to him that same night and said, I am the God of your father, Abraham. Do not fear for I am with you. I will bless you and multiply your descendants for the servant Abraham's sake. Verse 25. So he built an altar there, called on the name of the Lord. In, oh, pitched his tent. Did you, did you follow something there? The first time he went out, He went out, pitched his tent, cleaned the well out. And God honored him because God gave him his promise. He did it for the second time, third time. But this fourth time, God came to him and said, You're missing an element here. What is that? He said, Abraham, when I gave him his blessing, the first thing he did, your father, that you're heir to this promise, build an altar. You're pitching your tent. You're not taking care of my house. Look at a person next to you and say, Take a deep breath. He's not taking an offering this morning. (laughs) See, I know some of I know exactly where some of you went. Oh my God, they're gonna be handing out envelopes for offering. No. I'm trying to teach you something here today to help you. It says when God went back to him and reminded him, the first thing he did was he built an altar. Oh my God. Built an altar. And then he pitched his tent. Now watch this now. When that took place, the king of the Philistines came to him and said with his his key person, key man and and a servant and he met with Abram or with Isaac and he said, listen, can we make peace that we don't have to go through any of these problems anymore? Why? Because he got the structure right. I said he got the structure right when he began he began on the word of the promise of God's word so God got the glory he reaped a hundredfold return he was made gatekeeper he began to prosper continue prospering but when he went out to unclog the well he didn't build the altar he pitched his tent it was about him and not about God but once he got to that place it says he built his altar Abraham built his, why? Because it's a place of memorial I can always run to. It's a place of remembrance. It's a place of identification. It's a place that I can declare to the famine. I can declare to the world system. I am who God says I am, and I am an heir according to the promise. I am. (laughs) The altar creates the position so that you can continually operate in the blessing. Isn't that amazing? So my question to you is, what altar have you built? My question to you is, where are you sowing your seed? My question to you is, when you've been blessed, what have you done with the blessing? These are simple little questions. Simple little questions. I wrote down some things. Number one, know your harvest. Number two, know God's voice. Number three, obey God's word. Number four, never minimize what you have. Number five, be willing to release your seed. Number six, never allow famine or lack to control your character. And number seven, learn to expect a harvest. A A promise is the declaration of assurance that is totally dependent upon the character and the integrity of the one making it. If you are to be the recipient of a promise, you must trust the one who's made that promise to you. In other words, you have to believe in order to receive. Either God is or isn't. Either he will or he won't. Either God loves me or he doesn't. Either God said he's gonna bless me or he didn't. But if he did, I gotta trust. Well, come on, I've gotta trust. I've gotta trust the promise. God gave a promise to the world system that he would withhold his wrath, his anger, until the day of judgment. Now, why would I say that in all of this? Because God sowed a seed. He so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. And because he sowed the seed, he's now a gate. Oh God, he's a gatekeeper. Of the blessing, so I'll withhold my wrath, because I've got to be a gatekeeper to the promise that I gave, and I'm not a man that I should lie. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Wow. Oh man, that that gives chills all over my body. Whoever, but you don't. Under, I don't need to understand. I don't care where you came from, don't care what you did, don't care what you haven't done. I don't care any of that stuff. God is holding on as gatekeeper to the promise. He's looking for full capacity return. Why, for his kingdom. Today I'm wondering if there's anyone here who's never made that decision, who's never taken God up on his promise. The scripture says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And the the penalty for sin is death or separation from God. But the gift of God, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, his son. Eternal life through Jesus Christ, his son. My Lord. We trust that what you heard today has encouraged you to live the abundant life. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on our website, abundantlife.tv, or follow us on Instagram at abundantlife underscore TV and Facebook at come to life. And remember, God is a good God. He loves you and He wants to bless you.